Well, welcome one and all. This is Robert Rogers. I am the founder of Parkinson's Recovery that has its 10-year anniversary today. We were founded in 2004, and the current year today is 2014. It's my pleasure to host Sunday Connections this Sunday. If you'd like to be able to get notices of all the Sunday Connections program, be sure to sign up for my free newsletter because each and every Sunday you have different people who are volunteering to be hosts, and each person has an amazing story to tell uh, about what they have done to reverse their symptoms. I personally do not have symptoms of Parkinson's disease. My mother did. My uncle did. They both died from complications of that, so it's been a huge part of my family system. That's why, as a researcher, I decided what I would do is devote and focus my research program on the causes of Parkinson's disease and the many ways that people find uh, ways to reverse those symptoms. I have a number of questions that I'm going to be discussing today that are all quite fascinating, I must say. They all have a pretty similar theme. Everybody for one reason or another, is focused on figuring out something they can do to reverse their symptoms, which, of course, is what Parkinson's recovery is all about. And in the work that I've done, in the books that I have published, including Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, I've documented the many different causes of Parkinson's disease. And, in addition, I've documented the options that are helping people reverse their symptoms. So one of the overwhelms for everyone, and I must say myself included, is there's so many options out there. The real question turns on what might be the option that will make the big difference for you, given your circumstances and your specific body. I concluded about two years ago that although there are many, many options that are useful and helpful to people, there is one program that I concluded can really have long-lasting impacts for people. It's something you have to do yourself. You don't go to a healthcare professional to do this. And so it doesn't cost anything. It's actually something that you can do for free, but you do have to do it. Now, the word that I'm going to use to describe this approach is a word that's a bit trendy this day, and it might even be a turnoff for you, but it's called mindfulness. And again, I decided two years ago that what I would do is invent and create a number of mindfulness challenges and exercises, little things that I could do every week to see if I could not become more present in the moment. One of the challenges in my personal life is I'm always, it seems as though, projecting into the future. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow and next week, what I'm going to create, rather than stopping and literally smelling the flowers. So I decided... If this was going to help me, I figured it would also have a marked impact on individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So I launched my whole effort, and every week I created a new mindfulness exercise. I did the exercise myself, and when I discovered that it helped me, I then wrote it up, I recorded it, and then this has become now part of what I'm titling the Parkinson's Recovery Mindfulness Series. 
which is a whole series of nine different volumes with different themes that include anywhere from four to five to six exercises. Now, when I originally launched this particular effort, I did so with sending out an email each and every week to individuals who wanted to practice mindfulness. So the idea is they got an email on the first day, and then four days later, what I sent out was a discussion of the deeper and more profound implications of the exercise as it relates to persons who have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And then after practicing that particular exercise for a week and getting pretty good at it, then you get a new exercise the next week. Now, not everybody has email. Not everybody likes email. So what I've done is I've edited all of that and reorganized it into nine volumes, again, with different themes. So that the idea is you go through this slowly and stress-free so you take one volume of the Parkinson's Recovery Mindfulness Series. It can either be a download or it can be a paperback. And you basically, my invitation is, take literally a week, if not longer, with each exercise. You see what it is that I'm suggesting that you do, and then you do that for a week. And then, of course, I've got the discussion of the deeper implications for that challenge as it pertains to persons who have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I think it's one way that you can reduce stress, and we know from research, if anything, that the reason why people have symptoms that are particularly problematic are because stress is rearing its ugly head. When that happens, the truth of the matter is that symptoms are going to basically become much, much more problematic. So when we can control stress, the symptoms are going to be far less problematic, if even at all. How do you do that? Well, instead of agonizing over the past, as most of us do quite frequently, or projecting into the future, worrying about what's going to happen the next minute, the next hour, the next day, we basically are always focused on the present moment. And when that happens, stress really cannot play a role in our lives. When stress is not playing a role, then by Jove, we can see a reduction in symptoms. That's the idea. It's really quite a simple idea. Now, these exercises and these challenges are not horrendous challenges. Don't get me wrong. Each week, it may be just a question of taking a minute or two each day. The conclusion of my little short presentation on my one simple little idea of how I think people can reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease is to adopt a successful practice of being present in the moment every moment during the day, and this practice is known as mindfulness. If you go onto the Internet and type in mindfulness, you'll typically get lots of different suggestions and ideas of ways to become more mindful. I think the way to actually inculcate a practice of mindfulness is to do it a little by little every week, not to make it a big deal, not to say that this week you're going to be mindful in every moment, my experience is it just doesn't work that way. My experience is that what I've been able to do is to little by little each and every week become more mindful about my actions and my attention and what I'm doing in my life. That's why I created these exercises. And I, as I said at the outset, want to make everyone know that I really did this both for you and for myself.
reality is that when we are stressed, we're going to get sick. So the way to avoid sickness and the way to reverse chronic conditions is, I think, to be present in the moment. And again, the term that's been coined to help us do that is to be mindful. And that really is just a fancy term for saying we are always present in the moment. We are smelling, we are sensing, we are experiencing, we are seeing, we are hearing what it is that's happening in the moment. We are not imagining what's about to happen, and we're not worrying about something we might have done an hour ago or last year. It's to be present in the moment. So you see, if you find yourself worrying about what might happen to you next year, that's not going to uh, play a role, and that will, I can assure you, create significant stress. People who are worrying about, well, uh, my symptoms going to get worse. My goodness, what am I going to do? That's not helping at all. So if you could learn how to turn off that channel in the hamster wheel of your mind and decide that what you're going to do is to be present in the moment for whatever is there, I think you'll discover that stress all of a sudden is wiped off the map for you and whatever symptoms you might be experiencing are going to be ameliorated significantly. So one of the opportunities for you, of course, is to select any one of the nine volumes. I need everyone to know that, that they're not in any specific order. They're numbered one through nine, just so you can keep track of them if you get into it and want to continue. But you can start with any number and jump around. So if you see a topic that calls out to you, for example, if you want to be more mindful about eating, we have a volume about eating or more mindful about hearing. You can be more mindful about hearing or intending or any of the other nine topics that I have created. So I actually, just for those of you who might be familiar with this particular program and have, have, have received the emails over a period of a year, I literally created this every week. I had a new idea. I created it. And then after creating all of these 58 or 60 different exercises, I then went back and spent quite a bit of time this last uh, three months in organizing all of that. I did a lot of heavy editing on all of the written explanations, and then I have created paperback books for each of these volumes, and I created downloads at a very low cost, as, as low as we can make it. So that's one of the suggestions I want to put out to all of you uh, is think about mindfulness as something you can do Nobody's going to do this for you. Nobody's going to fix you. But the fact is that the only person in the end that really is going to succeed in helping you to reverse symptoms is going to be you or me, in my case, in terms of any kind of symptoms I might experience, though they're not actually the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Now, the actual website that contains all the information about this mindfulness series is easy to remember it's the words Parkinson's Recovery, which you're now very familiar with, and then dot .info, I-N-F-O. It's not dot .com, or, and it's not dot .me. Those are the two other websites that have significant resources and information, all of which are free. But the, the Parkinson's Recovery dot .info is the mindfulness website 
that has descriptions of what this is all about, each of the volumes, and of course you can grab a download and just see what you think. All the profits of anything that we do there are contributed toward helping to pay for all of the expenses that I incur to do everything that I do here through Parkinson's Recovery. Now I've got a series of questions here that I want to address. And I'm going to be stopping here after a couple of questions. And if those of you out there who have connected in through your phones or through your computers would like to be able to have some discussion or ask a question, I'd be uh, delighted to do so. This first question comes from Cherry, who is from uh, California. What do you know related to the use of Wellbutrin to optimize dopamine? And there's a second part of the question, but let me answer that one first. So the question turns on Wellbrutin, which is a prescription medication. Now, most of you, I think, probably know that I am not a medical doctor. I am a researcher who has opened up the doorway to consider any and all possibilities that might help people reverse their symptoms. And because I'm not a medical doctor, I'm certainly not an expert on medications. You really need to get the consultations with uh, people who are medical doctors to know more about why they might want to combine that particular drug with some other drugs that you might be taking. Now, what I can do and what I usually do uh, when questions of medications come up is to go on to the Internet and do a little search to find out what are the side effects of a drug because that's obviously the cost that you might incur. And what the list that I was able to create says is the following. So side effects of Wellbutrin, and for those of you who need a spelling, it's W-E-L-L-B-U-T-R-I-N. Most common side effects are anxiety. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, that's not a good one to be on the list. Dry mouth, hyperventilation, irregular heartbeats, irritability, restlessness, shaking, shortness of breath, trouble sleeping. Also, uh, side effects are ringing in the ears, severe headaches, skin rash, hives, or itching, confusion, fainting, false beliefs that cannot be changed by facts, having an extreme distrust of people, seeing, hearing, or feeling things that are not there, seizures or convulsions, and trouble concentrating. Now, any particular prescription medication is going to have a list of side effects. Those happen to be the side effects for this particular medication. What I can tell you about most Parkinson's medications is that some of the side effects you'll see listed are exactly the same Uh, effects or symptoms that you have of individuals who have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And as with any option, medications, prescription medications, may really save some people's lives. So I'm really happy to report that that option is available to everyone. And for other people, it makes things a little bit more complicated and a little bit worse. So you have to make your own decision about whether or not that's an option that you want to consider. I suggest to everyone, however, that if you're considering taking a prescription medication, talk with your doctor, number one. And number two, be sure to review the list of side effects because some of those may actually wind up being side effects that are going to affect you. 
So what happens is you begin to take the medication, and maybe symptoms are uh, relieved to a certain extent, but then other things begin to happen. Well, it may be that those other problems are the side effects of the medication. So the more you know about that, the better you can have discussions with your doctor about what might be the best medications to take, if any, and the appropriate doses. Now, Cherry has a second question as well. She has a question about the use of CBD to neutralize symptoms. Now, for those of you who don't know, CBD is one of 85 active ingredients in cannabis or marijuana, for those of you who are more familiar with that term. And the CBD is a short-term name for cannabidiol. Now, as a person who's from the state of Washington and we've just legalized marijuana here, you would probably suspect that I would be very receptive to the use of this as something that might help neutralize symptoms. As it turns out, I've done a lot of research and a lot of thinking about this particular option. And for a person whose symptoms are truly off the charts, who are that are truly troubling, that are basically stopping you from living the life the way you want to live it, it's possible that this really is something that you might want to consider. It does, it will have the tendency to neutralize symptoms. I've talked to many, many people who say that they use not just the CBD, but they use marijuana and find that it really does provide welcome relief, although it's temporary. Now, the caution that I need to give to you, Cherry, as well as everyone else who is listening, is the following. What I've discovered is there is a cost to using CBD, and actually this is true for other kinds of options that neutralize symptoms as well. That cost winds up being that this, as it turns out, tends to deactivate the main controlling organs in the body, which are the pituitary and the hypothalamus. These are tiny little organs in our heads that are the most important organs of all in our body. So when you do take this, yes, you may get a relief from symptoms, but if those organs are not functioning properly, it means that your your controlling mechanism in your body, it's like the chief executive officer in your body, will not be recognizing imbalances that are present in your body. So what may happen is if you take this, you may be able to get relief from some of the symptoms associated with Parkinson's, but it's also possible that other problems are going to emerge in your body that your body will not recognize. In other words, there's no recognition that that is a problem, which means that your body's not going to go after it and heal it. So it's possible that you will incur other unanticipated effects from using this that may wind up being more problematic than the symptoms that you currently experience. So literally, it puts the pituitary offline, if you'll think of our body as a computer. The pituitary is not recognizing, for example, if you have a stomach virus, it's not recognizing if you have a bacterial infection. And so those problems may continue to rear their ugly heads inside your body and create more and more problems. So I would just say, and I have several of these questions for this particular symptom, this particular therapy, 
I would suggest that uh, you got to make your own choice about what's best for you. It may be it would be an ideal treatment, especially in the short room, uh, something you can try and see what actually happens. But I think there's a long-term consequence, and that is that the pituitary and the hypothalamus are not going to be functioning the way they need to function to help your body run at maximum efficiency. So it's a pretty serious, a pretty severe consequence. Now, another reaction and another comment that I want to really make to this particular set of questions is the following, and this is true for many of the other questions that are submitted. The focus here is on treating symptoms. And I really get that. I understand that. That's just what I've been interested in doing my entire life. If I have a symptom, I want to get rid of it. I want to treat it. Now, the reality is that when we treat the body with symptoms using some kind of external source, whether it's a medication or whether it's a supplement, something natural, a food, doesn't matter what it is, we're giving our body something that our body has to process. So one of the ways to think about what happens when we put anything in addition into our body is the following. Everything that we are exposed to and everything that we put into our body is a toxin. Now, many people don't think of it that way, but food, even organic food, even the purest of food is a toxin. Now, why do I say that? Why do we have a digestive system? We have a digestive system because when the food enters, it's a foreign substance to the body. The body has to process that before it can do anything with the food. So I think, in my thinking for a lot of individuals who are experiencing Parkinson's symptoms is the following. I think what really happens is that we begin to expose our bodies to lots and lots of foreign substances, and our body literally gets overwhelmed with having to process too much. Now, we could say that, well, maybe it's too much food or too much bad food. Certainly, it's going to be a problem if you're eating food that has pesticides or food that's contaminated with heavy metals. The more that our body has substances that we need to get out, the more problems our body is going to have with doing the work that it needs to do. So if you happen to have neurological challenges, Everything is an issue, and I do mean everything. So if your kidneys are overtaxed and they're not functioning uh, the way they need to function to get rid of the toxins, and if you have too many, then you are going to have neurological problems. I'd say there's no question about it. So when your body has too many substances inside that are foreign to the body, that are recognized by the body as something external to the body, which means that they're toxins, it means that the body has to process that substance. When it has to process it, it's got to send it through our processing organs, which are our liver, our spleen, our colon, our intestines, and, of course, our kidneys. Now, when those organs, again, when they're just overcharged, it's like a dam that's overfilling and is about to burst, it just, those organs cannot then do the work that they need to do. So all the toxins, what the body will do is the following. Let's say that the kidneys cannot process all of the toxins that you have in your body, whether they are toxins in the form of bacterial infections, even include Ebola if you would like, or if the toxins are in the form of pesticides or heavy metals. And we've all got some, some degree of those toxins in our bodies. All of us have that. 
If the body cannot process that through the kidneys, what the body does is it says, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is too much for me to handle. I can't pee this stuff out. I can't sweat this stuff out. What am I going to do with it? I know what. I'm going to send it to the extremities of the body. So when I say extremities, what part of the body am I talking about? Well, the feet, the hands, and hold on to your seats, your head. That's what the body does. The body is going to protect the vital organs which are in the trunk of our body, our heart, our lungs, all the key organs that keep us alive. The body will do anything to protect those. So if in the kidneys all of a sudden there are too many toxins that are being processed, then the body says, "Uh uh-oh, I don't want these to get anywhere near the heart or the lungs or the other vital organs. So let me see. I know what. I'll send them up there to the brain because although the person may not be able to think quite as clearly, at least we'll keep them alive. That's why a lot of people with Parkinson's have difficulty with their reasoning and their mental facilities as the body's been dumping toxins up there. So... I think that in speaking uh, from the big picture, which is a research perspective, I think the following. You can spend a lot of time trying to get diagnoses of this problem and that problem. And I'm pretty sure if you go to one specialist after another, you can probably get as many as 40 or 50 or 60 diagnoses. Everybody can because the medical people can't really treat unless they diagnose your symptoms with something. So they got to put a label or a name to it. All right, so you've got all of these kinds of symptoms. Well, what's the big picture? What's really going on? Do you want to go after and try to treat just one of those symptoms with a medication? Or perhaps the other perspective is the following. The other perspective is your body is simply trying to process out too much of the bad stuff. That's why the first secret of the seven secrets that I've decided really is one of the keys to being able to reverse chronic conditions is get the bad stuff out of your body. Facilitate the ability of these primary organs in your body to process out the toxins and the pesticides and the heavy metals. Help your body be able to deal with the electromagnetic pollutions that are creating havoc with neurological symptoms. So the reality is that the body is designed to get rid of toxins. That's what the body can do. The body knows how to do that. It's not as if we have to train the body. We don't have to take the body to uh, college and teach the body how to do this. The body knows how to do all of this. The real showstopper is that The body is inundated with too much to process. It's only got one processing system. It's only got one pituitary gland. It only has one hypothalamus. So when the body gets overwhelmed with having to process too much, that's when the problems emerge. So my feeling is that... Yes, it is helpful, and yes, it is important to treat symptoms. And yes, sometimes, and I certainly do it all the time myself, I put stuff into my body to help myself feel better for one reason or another. So supplements, food, all of that stuff we're going to be putting into our body. So it's not as if we're not going to do that. But when we put too much into it, then the body becomes overwhelmed. So if you keep thinking about putting more and more things into your body, realize that, yeah, yeah, maybe it will help a symptom or two, and that would be quite wonderful. And you may need to do that, don't get me wrong. But there may be a cost, and that cost is that you are overwhelming your body's capacity to function. I now have a question from Hanifa, and the question is the following. 
Robert, I will do anything possible to reverse my PD. Please help. And I enrolled with John Coleman. I don't see any positive results. Well, it's a little difficult for me to respond to this particular question because I don't have any details at all about your situation. When we do consultations, we're able to talk at some detail about your history, your guesses about what might be causing the symptoms. And at that point, then, I can conjure up some possible options that you might want to explore further. Now, you do say you don't see any positive results from doing one particular program, which is John Coleman's, which uh, John's is a person who had Parkinson's symptoms that were pretty severe, and he found ways to reverse his symptoms, and he has an actual program where he helps other people do the same. I want to just make one comment about uh, not seeing any positive results. My experience is that most people do not realize that they're actually getting relief from symptoms and they are reversing their symptoms. So that's why I created something called the Symptom Tracker, just specifically for Parkinson's disease. And uh, we've just done some reprogramming on the Symptom Tracker. I paid quite a bit of money to programmers to be able to update that. So you can go into the main website. You can find a link to uh, Symptom Tracker, and you can begin to track your own symptoms. So you go in, you answer a, a questionnaire that's a validated questionnaire about Parkinson's. You get a baseline, and then you can go back in in three weeks or four weeks or a month and see what the result is. And you can track yourself over time. It's really a nice little idea, I think, that I created several years ago. So I suggest, Hannah, for the one thing that might have happened is that you might have actually gotten some benefit but didn't realize them. Why is that? Well, I think we're all susceptible to the same problem. If somebody asks me, well, how am I doing today relative to three months ago, I have to say, I don't have a clue. I don't know whether I'm better or worse or the same. And I think most people would say the same is the reality is that we don't track ourselves very well. So um, my guess is that there may be some options that some of you have pursued and you've concluded that they didn't help, but it's also possible that they actually did. It's just that you were not tracking yourself. Now, I have to say that the the, the way uh, the, the reason why I, I realized this was the case is that we did a study now, it's been about 10 years ago, using cranial sacral therapy for persons with Parkinson's disease. There was a team of three individuals, I was included, and we worked with people for basically six short 20-minute sessions over a period of about three or four months. And we tracked everything. We we took a baseline. We did a, a post-test. We found positive results. It was a very encouraging study. When we ask people, well, what's your reaction? Uh, uh, do you think that this has helped or not? Are you better now or not? And all, almost on average, people said, well, I really don't know. I guess I'm, I'm about the same. I really have to say I, I don't know, but I'm glad I did it. Well, when we really looked at the data and the results, there was, the results were just absolutely unbelievable. Some people had dramatic improvements in their symptoms for just a little bit of uh, therapy that they got. So I realized at that point, oh, this, this is a common problem for us all, myself included. We don't really track ourselves very well. So I would say one of the things that you can do is to begin tracking yourself. And the great benefit of doing that is that when you are pursuing an option and it is helping, what you can discover is that, oh, wow, let me celebrate this. I'm actually feeling better. 
So it may be that some symptoms are better, and it may be that some symptoms are worse. When you're really healing, it's not the case that what's going to happen is you start a therapy or an approach, and everything is all of a sudden better. It's not like taking an aspirin for a headache. Genuine, authentic healing means that the body has to rock and roll to get back into balance, which means that the symptoms may actually get worse before they get better. So when you really commit to a program of recovery, you're committing to healing yourself. And that may mean that some emotions may be coming up. They're going to be pretty unpleasant. And the way to clear those out and release those is to simply sit with those and to stay with those, maybe for just a couple of hours or maybe for a couple of days. And when you do sit with them, you're going to find that they will release and no longer plague you. And you'll also notice that the symptoms are going to overall be improved. So that's the reality of the real healing process is that some of you, I suspect, may be pursuing some therapies and uh, you may be feeling a little bit worse and thinking it's not it's not working, but it may be that the truth is that it is really helping a great deal. Again, it may be the reverse. Don't get me wrong. It may be that you're doing something that is making it worse. That's why, by the way, uh, let me refer to another little secret in my Seven Secrets to Healing. That's why I think muscle testing can be so useful. You can always muscle test any option and ask your body, what do you think? Is this a good idea or not? And by Jove, what you can sometimes discover is that whatever the therapy is winds up being a bad idea or, alternatively, an absolutely wonderful idea. The next question comes from Jeffrey. Jeffrey says, uh, from Texas, I am having problems reversing my symptoms. I'm trying the aquas. That's the uh, aqua hydration formula that was designed to hydrate the cells in the body. And I have done Reiki once. But the lady was in a car wreck just getting back on her feet. Uh, and now he says, what else should I do? And he says, also I do exercise to keep up strength. Now, Jeffrey, I might add for the exercise uh, researchers that I have interviewed who know a lot about Parkinson's, great to do strength kind of exercise, but also do aerobotic, uh, do other kinds of exercises, stretching uh, running if you can uh, so that you get your cardiovascular system uh, uh, strengthened. And, of course, the strength exercises with uh, uh, pressure against the muscles uh, by either lifting weights or other means. He said, uh, the interviewer that I uh, uh, interviewed, who's really an expert on this, he says vary the type of exercise and you'll get much better results. He says, uh, Jeffrey says, I've just been back. Uh, the doctor made some adjustments on the medications, but they have not helped, those adjustments. So when that happens, of course, what you want to do is to stop and say, okay, I really worked with these medications, but it looks like they're not helping. So it sounds like you're doing just what I would do, Jeffrey, is to say, all right, let's consider some other options. The medications look like they're not going to be helpful to you at any rate, or that might be the case. And so Jeffrey says, what else should I try? I would love to reverse my symptoms uh, and then the symptoms are he has some shaking of his left hand and he's got some dragging of his left foot. So there are, of course, many, many different therapies and options that are helping people reverse their symptoms. And without really having some clear idea, Jeffrey, of what might be causing your symptoms, it's a little hard to pinpoint what I might want to suggest as an option. 
it's not as if there are a few options. There are many, many options, and you can get a flavor for that by just going on to the Parkinson's Recovery blog, and you'll see there topic after topic, suggestion after suggestion of lots of types of things that you can do to help reverse your symptoms. There, there are many, many therapies, and they're quite wonderful. On average, all of these therapies tend to help somewhat. Uh, some people, they help a great deal. Other people, they don't help very much. Uh, I don't know of too many therapies that do much harm. Uh, there may be deep tissue massage that has created some problems for people in that their muscles tend to tighten up and make things worse. And there may be a few others that aren't such great ideas. But on, on average, a lot of these options really provide some relief to a certain degree. Now, one of the things that I would suggest that you do, Jeffrey, is instead of focusing on treating the symptoms, you might want to just take a little pause and begin to ask yourself, well, well, what do you think might be the cause of your symptoms? What's creating the problem in the first place? Is it stress and anxiety? Well, if that's the case, there are many different options that can be considered. I discussed one of them at the beginning of this program, which is mindfulness, but there are certainly other approaches as well, including meditations and, and many other approaches. Is the possibility that the reason you're experiencing symptoms because you have toxins in your body? Uh, have you been exposed to heavy metals? Uh, is there electromagnetic pollution in your life? Are you putting toxins onto your body in the form of the hair shampoo that you use or the soaps? Are you using dishwasher detergent or laundry detergent that has toxins in it? In other words, what do you suppose might be some of the causes of the symptoms that you experience? Were, were you a person who participated in wartime, whatever the war might have been? If so, you probably have a lot of trauma, and trauma might be a key factor. It is for almost everybody who experiences Parkinson's symptoms. So treatments for trauma can be particularly useful. Now, apparently you tried Reiki, but the person that you went to is uh, apparently had some difficulty with uh, being in an accident. There are many people in Houston that can offer body work that helps uh, you be able to address problems with trauma. There is a resource listing of practitioners who have four years of training and have done a lot of uh, release of their own traumas. That is a good resource, I think. It's on the website, barbarabrennan.com. So the first word, Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A. The second word combined together, Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N dot C-O-M. And if you'll just skip down, there's a little menu item for practitioners. Then click on Texas, and you'll see there's a bunch of folks, Jeffrey, that are listed in Houston. Uh, if you think trauma might be an issue or stress or post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome, those kinds of issues, and those are going to create neurological problems, then I would pursue getting some energy healing or hands-on healing. It can be really useful for for reversing those kinds of uh symptoms that are caused by trauma. So I would suggest you said you used Reiki one time. Uh, that's a pretty light form of healing. The Brennan practitioners do a very deep kind of healing that I think might be more useful to you. So I would suggest that. There may be other energy healers, too, in your area that have great reputations for being able to help you release the trauma. Now, the final idea I've got for you, Jeffrey, and I think that's why you wrote in. You wanted just some ideas of different directions to look in. 
you said your uh your left foot drags so sometimes the body is giving us information that we need to listen to and it may be in this case that why is your left foot dragging well why is it that you're not able to move forward well the question i would ask you is are you doing work that is is not work that is giving you much joy is it distasteful work to you in other words it may be that the reason you're having problems from a thought form perspective is that you're dragging your left foot because you're just not able to move forward why can't you move forward because you're doing something that you is not in your best and highest good it's not the work it's not the way of living that is going to give you the pleasure that you uh, deserve so i would just i would just uh, suggest that you ask yourself the question well wait a minute if i have a job right now do i like the job do i love the job and if you hate the job, then it's obviously time to reassess and perhaps find another line of work. Or is the way that you're living right now simply not uh, not the way that you would like to live? Maybe you're living with people that are, are not loving and nurturing. Uh, maybe you're living in a locality that's not the best for you, whatever. Uh, so just ask yourself, what is it about my life that I need to change and it may be that left foot dragging is really your body is telling you that there's a message right there uh, that something about how you're living your life maybe needs to be changed. And if you can change that, then chances are you'll be able to heal that problem, or at least that would be my guess. So there's some suggestions for you, Jeffrey, to consider. They're certainly different from considering the medications. And it sounds like you've been having some problems with the medications. So continue to consult with your doctors. They're the experts on that. Sometimes it takes a while to make these adjustments so that you'll know exactly what's going to really help. Sometimes medications aren't helping, and your doctor can maybe uh, either, either eliminate those or find something else that would be appropriate. I've got a question now from Anne. No locality is listed. Uh, the question is, what do Azelect and Carpa de Lopa actually do? Uh, and and the, the primary purpose of each of those is to essentially add dopamine into the body. They're a sort of uh, source of, of extra dopamine. And the next question that Anne asks is, do they address causes of Parkinson's disease? The answer is no, no. And any neurologist will certainly tell you that when they give you that prescription. They do not address the causes of uh, Parkinson's disease. They treat symptoms, which is what medical doctors do. That's their training. And that's what I want to say most people want. They want symptoms to be treated. And so when people go to doctors, they want to know what will fix them. And so that's what doctors have been trained to do. Uh, Does this slow or reverse the symptoms? The answer is no. Uh, basically, it certainly can reduce the symptoms, but the consequence of these drugs usually will be that over time you do have to take more of these medications to get the same result. And then what the uh, medical people have done is they've realized when you get to a certain point, you can't begin to take more of the drugs so they can do these deep brain stimulation surgeries that will allow you to reduce the drug. So they've got some interventions there that can be beneficial for folks that want to pursue these routes. But no, the medical profession does not look at causes. Uh, uh, Naturopaths, who are also part of the medical profession, they do. They're interested in finding out what are the causes of a particular set of symptoms. Most naturopaths are not interested in diagnoses. What they're interested in is trying, trying to find out where the imbalances in the body actually are. 
And then uh, Ann also asked, uh, is fatigue with these drugs typical? So uh, one of the things you might want to do, Ann, whenever you're uh, asking about questions about a drug is be sure to look at the side effects because they give you a good, uh, good source of information about what might be the consequences of taking the drugs. For Azelec, for example, uh, the listing of side effects that I was able to get when I did my research for you on the Internet was the following. You can have difficulty breathing. You can have a closing of the throat, swelling of the lips, tongue, or face, or hives. Uncontrolled movements of a part of the body. Seizures. Persistent nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. Irregular heartbeat or fluttering in your chest. Unusual changes in mood or behavior, depression or suicidal thoughts. You can also have uh, constipation, dry mouth, blurred vision, hand tremor, muscle twitches, dizziness or drowsiness, insomnia, confusion, nightmares, agitation or anxiety, darkening of urine or sweat or fatigue. Everybody reacts differently to these drugs. And so if you'll notice again with this particular drug, Azalec, uh, there are some of the symptoms that are exactly the same symptoms of Parkinson's, and everybody reacts differently, as neurologists are well aware. So for some people, the drugs can really be lifesavers. For other people, they don't seem to uh, help as much. So be sure to be in close uh, consultation with your doctor if you decide to pursue this as an option and work with them on figuring out what might be the best approach to take. The idea is that the reason you have a problem is because you have a deficiency of dopamine. So these drugs have been configured to literally add dopamine into your body. My research reveals that the major problem is not so much a deficiency of dopamine. It's, it's the body's ability to access dopamine. So it's not necessarily the case that the best solution is to simply pour more dopamine into the body. I personally uh, don't think I would ever pursue that option, and this is just a personal choice. Other people, I think it's a, a good choice for them. The reason I don't is because how much dopamine do you really need? Obviously, you can get too much or too little. I think some people with Parkinson's have way too much dopamine, and that creates a toxic overexposure to the body. So the kidneys and all of these elimination organs that I mentioned a little bit earlier, they get overtaxed. There's too much for them to process. And so, well, if that's the case, then the body is, is on overdrive and can't really handle all of the challenges that it's being uh, given. So it may be that medications can be a lifesaver. It can be that they can create problems, as you can see from this listing of side effects. I've got to hand it to the uh, drug manufacturers. They do a great job of documenting all the side effects so that when you make these choices, you'll know what the possible consequences are. I've got a question from Sharon from Rancho Mission Viejo. Sharon says, I struggle with determining if a possible solution is possible. So it sounds like Sharon is struggling with the thoughts about what's really going on. For example, I went through the retainer-like program to change my bite. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with that, we had a guest on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show now about five years ago by the name of Cheryl and Cheryl reported wonderful uh, outcome from getting a retainer uh, for her mouth uh, by a dentist. 
And uh, as it turned out, there is a whole body of uh, theory out there that suggests if you change your bite, it may be that your symptoms will be markedly improved. And she found that improvement uh, was was pretty significant for her, and she was very excited about it. Now, for those of you who are listening and curious about the next uh, phase of that for Cheryl, I actually uh, approached her about six months ago and said, Cheryl, would you like to come back on the radio show and you can talk about what's happened since uh, we had our initial interview? And we were initially planning on having that program, but after Cheryl thought about it, she decided she wasn't quite ready to come out and discuss her experience with this particular program. What she told me was that she would still do it today uh, and that it really had helped. But in terms of long-term benefits, she wasn't quite clear or sure about where all that was headed. I think the other issue for her was she actually lost her retainer, and she wasn't using it for a long time. So she wanted to have a little more experience with that before she came out on the program and talked about her own experience. Now, Sharon goes on to say, I spent a lot of money, and yes, that's one of the challenges with this particular program. The dentist, I think, were charging anywhere from eight or $10,000 because you had to go in for repeated adjustments uh, of this retainer, and so it was pretty expensive. And she says after three months, she saw no results. The doctor had said that we should see some change in a month. Well, that's pretty incredible that somebody would say that that's what they think would happen, but apparently that's what this doctor said. And she, she she dropped the program, and unfortunately, her bite is now incorrect. So it sounds like there was some uh, some regret that you stopped the program, since the bite itself is uh, obviously still a problem. Why is it that putting this retainer into the mouth uh, might actually help show a reduction in Parkinson's symptoms? Well, I think one possibility, and again, this is just from a research point of view for why people experience neurological symptoms, is that the, the one of the problems is the presence of a tetanus infection, and that can present itself in the mouth. And so it may be that one of the reasons why some people get much more relief from retainers than others is that being able to adjust the teeth helps to uh, body recognize the presence of that infection and heal it. There may also be a jaw infection, and if there's a jaw infection, if you're going to basically reset the entire way that the jaw functions, it may be that the body's better able to heal the jaw infection. And finally, it may be that there's a tonsillitis infection, which is also connected to appendicitis infection. If you've got one, you've probably got the other. And so it may be that, again, adjusting the bite may make a difference with regard to the body's ability to heal those infections. So there may be different possible reasons, again, speaking from a research point of view, for why retainers might help some people. Um, it's an interesting approach, and uh, you can also literally bite down on a little stick or like a popsicle stick and see if you've got a reduction in your symptoms. That gives you a very quick clue about whether or not that might actually help you or not. Any of these options can uh, provide wonderful relief for some people and not so great relief for others. So it's a good uh, idea to begin to stop and to explore whether or not uh, that option might be the option that's right for you or not. So it sounds like you're still struggling with determining if a solution is possible. Sharon, my last comment to you is going to sound like I'm a bit of a broken record. I'd say, well, maybe it's a good time to pause, step back, and begin to ask the question, well, what might be the cause of your symptoms? And oftentimes the causes are multifaceted. There's nothing that's simple about what's causing this. 
but are you being exposed to something that's creating the problem? Were you exposed? Does your body have a lot of toxins? Does your body uh, have a lot of anxiety? Are you anxious? Are you in fear quite a bit? Do you have a lot of trauma in your life? If you get an idea of what really might be your history, then it's possible then to focus in on what might be some of the options that might be helpful. I think it's always helpful if you tried something with all good intentions and not seen the results that you'd hoped, then I think it really helps to just have a pause. It's just like watching a video. You pause the video, you pause the program, and you say, all right, wait a minute, let me stop here. And instead of chasing after a solution, let me ask the question, what's causing this? There are several uh, wonderful uh, approaches that can give you an idea of what the imbalances are in your body. I'm currently writing a book with a naturopath doctor, Ivy Faber. And basically, she uses an approach that's sort of a holistic approach, trying to uh, figure out what the imbalances are in the body. It's not a diagnostic approach, but it's a wonderful way to figure out what might be some of the causes of these neurological symptoms. So we'll have that book out hopefully within a month or six weeks. So Sharon, those are some of my ideas for you. Again, I think for you, i just say pause. Maybe it's time to assess where you're at. And once you figure out what might be causing the problem, then that might focus your attention on a particular option that might really help you. If anxiety, if fear, if stress are uh, options, again, go back, and if you haven't heard it already, listen to the beginning of my show. I think mindfulness is a wonderful solution. It's something you can do for yourself every day that can make a dramatic difference in ameliorating the symptoms. I now have a question from Bonnie. Uh, from Berkeley. Hello, my husband has Parkinson's disease and is taking the low-dose naltrexone, which uh, we found out on your program, and apparently, this is great news, he's doing well with it. Also taking Carpidopa and Premipexol. You can see I'm not a medication person and know nothing about them uh, one time a day. He now has a problem with drooling, which is a really hard thing to face and deal with, which is, boy, isn't that the truth? I wonder if you have any suggestions. I try to listen every Sunday, and you are helping us so much. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, Bonnie. It's a pleasure for me to do this and keeps me going and wanting to continue my volunteer hosting activities. Do I have any suggestion for drooling? Well, let me just give you my big-picture perspective on what I'm guessing might be the issue. I think that when the body is processing way, way too many uh, toxins and pesticides and things that the body really cannot handle, I think that what happens is that the body is going to furiously try to get rid of all that. And so, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to emit the toxins through the skin in sweating, through the kidneys and the pee, through the colon in uh, the discharge of solid waste from our body, uh, and through the cleansing that the liver does of the blood. So if all of that is not enough, what does the body do with all of these toxins? Well, as I mentioned already, the body sends these toxins to our big toe or our foot or our little fingers on the right or left uh, side, or our heads, unfortunately. And finally, uh, it can actually send out this stuff through the saliva in our mouth. I'm actually guessing that one of the issues 
uh, for your husband, Bonnie, may be that he's dehydrated. Uh, and it may be that the body simply can't get rid of these toxins uh, through the normal channels because there's not enough liquid in the body. And so what happens is this because there's usually some pretty good saliva and a source of water up in the mouth, it may be that what the body is doing is it's trying to get rid of these toxins through the mouth. Now, when I use the word toxins, what am I talking about? Well, you already mentioned here that he is taking some medications that sound like it's really helping, and one of those is low-dose naltraxin and some others. All right, now remember, when somebody takes these medications, the body has to take what it is that they need from those medications, and the rest of it is toxic waste. You're not going to be taking a medication and the body uses all of it. That's not what the body does. The body takes what it needs, and then it gets rid of what it doesn't need. So there is a toxic waste from what your husband is putting into his body. And I don't just mean the low-dose naltraxone or the medications. I'm talking about everything he's putting on his body and in his body, as I mentioned before, including food. So the body is always trying to get rid of the toxins. And if you think of this as the big picture, okay, whew, this is a lot for the body to handle, it may be that it's just too much. And because there's too much dehydration in the body, then it may be that what the body's doing is it's sending it out through the saliva. So that's my guess from a research perspective of the process of what may actually be happening. It's actually a good thing that he's uh, salivating and drooling because what's happening is the bad stuff is actually at least coming out somewhere from his body. Now, now he doesn't want that to continue. So I would think some solutions might be to begin to think about how to better detox, uh, how to strengthen the health and the vitality of the kidneys and perhaps do some colon cleanses and get some of these elimination organs back so that they're functioning a little bit better. And then, of course, um, the uh, other possibility is to realize that it's, if there's drooling present, then you've got to address the issue of what you're putting into your body. And it may be that putting less of some substances or putting less on the body may be really something that will help address that problem. So it may be shampoo he's using, soaps he's using, uh, some lotions that he's putting on his body, dark, uh, laundry detergent that you're using. Uh, it may be that you're exposed to a smart meter in your house, an electrical meter that can create all kind of havoc with the uh, the uh, the toxins that the body is exposed to, and who knows what it might be. But just realize it sounds to me like, Bonnie, that the direction I would like to suggest that you and your husband explore will be maybe there's just too many toxins and it's time to be facilitating the exit of those toxins. And number two, maybe it's time to be able to get better hydrated. And uh, there are obviously different ways of doing that. Uh, the one recommendation John Coleman makes and has found was, was really most useful to his own recovery was to take the aquas, which is something that I found helps me as well and many other people with Parkinson's. So there are different ways to hydrate, and you might want to explore those and, and work on better hydrating and, second of all, getting the bad stuff out of the body. Again, remember, that's one of the secrets of the seven secrets to healing. I have a question from uh, Cherry from California. I'm thinking of introducing CBDs in my regimen to address symptoms. Could you elaborate on the mechanism and use of CBDs? I actually, I did already discuss this a little earlier, uh, Cherry, 
and so I'll leave that dis- earlier discussion uh, for you to digest. I-, I think it's a trade-off between getting a relief from uh, possible symptoms, which may be just what you need right now, but also I think the cost of the CBD from my research perspective is that it may deactivate the most important organs in the body. And if your body is not recognizing the imbalances that are present, you're going to be in the long term in some trouble. So uh, there is a cost to using that as I see it. And again, uh, the big picture of the whole program today is to realize that the body can be overloaded with processing too many toxins. And remember, the CBD is something the body has to process. So you're you're putting on an extra challenge of the body. If the body's already challenged, you don't want the body to go off the charts in terms of what it has to deal with. Uh, So the final suggestion that I've got for you is muscle test this. It's always a great way to make decisions about anything, whether it's a prescription medication or a supplement or an option or a therapy. Muscle test to see what your body says. If your body wants the CBD, it'll tell you. And it may be you'll muscle test today and your body says yes, and you'll muscle test tomorrow and your body says no, 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 no. I've had enough. I don't need any more. So continue to muscle test, and you might be surprised that you'll be getting different answers depending on when you ask the question. I have a question from Phyllis from Alabama. Phyllis says, I ran across John Gray's program using supplements such as uh, 5-HTP. What do you think about this program for eliminating PD symptoms? Well, I have been working on getting John Gray on the radio program. He's consented, but we don't yet have a time to make that happen. So I'll be learning a lot more about his approach here, hopefully, in the coming months. John Gray was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and he wound up being successful in reversing his symptoms using uh, a very rich protocol of supplements, which I understand he now has his own business, and I think he sells these supplements to people who have Parkinson's. So... Uh, he's been able to not only address his own personal problems, but create a whole business for himself. What do I think about this program for eliminating Parkinson's disease symptoms? Well, I have to say I I, I don't know enough about it to really say. Obviously, uh, some of these primary supplements can be very beneficial because they help the body uh, heal in a natural way, especially if they're high-quality supplements. So Clearly, this can be very, very beneficial. Uh, I I suspect the other issue may be if you're, as I've now said three or four times, if your body's already processing too many substances, it may be too much for your body to handle. But then again, some of these are basic substances that the body needs to function. So it could be that it's an excellent approach and an excellent program. I look forward to learning more about John Gray's protocol here in the near future. Hopefully he will uh, be willing to be on the program and tell us more about what he actually does. Uh, I do want to say once again that I believe one of the seven secrets to healing any chronic condition, and certainly Parkinson's disease is, to initially focus on getting the bad stuff out of the body, not putting anything in. And so I would say, well, if you start with this protocol, it may be that you're going to get some relief, but if the problem happens to be toxins and toxic waste and pesticides and all the bad stuff, well, this is not necessarily going to facilitate the removal of all of that. It may be in the long run if your organs are going to get healthier, uh, but it may be that initially an optimal approach will be to say, all right, 
let's really focus our attention on getting the toxins out. And there are many, many different ways of doing that. There are many different detox protocols. There's no one best or great protocol that I know of. Exercise is wonderful. And uh, Phyllis uh, has books on exercise. And, and, uh, and so obviously if you're exercising, that's one of the ways that the body can really help detox itself. So uh, I would say um, muscle test any of those supplements. That uh, seems to be my standard response. But your body is unique to you, and so why not, for each supplement, ask the question, uh, ask, does my body really need this or want this right now? Get the answer and then act accordingly. I think the body can always give an answer to that. And and I using this reference to muscle testing, it's not really an esoteric approach. I want to say many, 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 many healthcare practitioners use muscle testing today. Naturopath doctors, chiropractors, physical therapists, it's amazing the number of people who have adopted that approach for being able to figure out what the body needs. So I'm not talking about something that's far out. It's really anything but that. And uh, I use muscle testing myself quite often to make personal decisions about what my body needs. So I think it's uh, it's an approach, muscle testing, that is really an eloquent answer uh, to a lot of questions that you're going to ask about, should I do this therapy, should I pursue this possibility, should I take this medicine, et cetera, et cetera. I think muscle test all each time, muscle test those questions and realize, as I discuss in The Seven Secrets to Healing, uh, realize that... You may ask a general question like, should I take this supplement? Uh, and the answer may be, yes, you should take that supplement. But if you ask the question, should I take that supplement today, the answer may be no. <laughs> in other words, yeah, yeah, in the long run, the body needs it. So you have to ask the very specific questions when you muscle test to get the right answers. So it helps to be able to get a little expertise on muscle testing. Go to a health care practitioner if you're not comfortable doing it yourself because there are a lot of them out there that do that and they can just muscle test things for you you can make a regular appointments of 15 minutes and just say i've got several things i need you to help me muscle test get the answers and then use your own intuition about what you want to pursue or what you don't want to pursue so i've now run through all of the questions that were submitted to me in writing in advanced and now i see that uh we uh we have several things uh that have been added so let me see if i can read these and off the cuff uh see if i can provide some kind of response this is from karen in seattle i am a personal trainer new to working with people with parkinson's disease but familiar with the disease because a my dad had it and b I have done continuing education at Oregon Health Sciences University. Wow, wonderful, Karen. What are the best ways to learn about muscle testing so that I can help clients help themselves? Well, um, there's a ton of information on the Internet about muscle testing, but a lot of it is getting somebody else to help muscle test yourself. I recorded a little CD on four suggestions of how I think a person can muscle test themselves. And I also have included in the Seven Secrets to Healing book a whole section on how you can learn how to muscle test yourself. I think it's important to learn how to do it yourself because if we're always relying on somebody else, they may not be available to help us muscle test when we need the answers. So those are the two resources I have. I think I've also got some material that is on the Parkinson's Recovery blog. 
about muscle testing and, and various procedures and systems you can use to do that. So there's quite a few resources that might be available to your clients for learning how to do this, both that, you know, obviously don't cost anything and some of them where they can get a book in their hot hands and then uh, read it and then practice it themselves. Uh, there are uh, different uh, techniques that a person can use. A person who has a tremor is going to have problems with some of the techniques, but I've been able to think of some techniques that I think anybody can use with uh, significant success. Ed from New York says, Hi, Robert. Just to note, to let you know that the show that Holly Hughes hosted on August the 14th is not available to replay. Thank you, Ed. So something is up. I'll go into the system after we finish the program and see if we can get that back up and running. Sometimes hosts have to actually turn the recording on, so it's possible that uh, Holly might have neglected to do that since it's easy to do, but assuming if she did, I will work on getting that back up online. Holly is one of our volunteer hosts who's an amazing individual who has found some some marvelous therapies that have helped her literally reverse her symptoms and become symptom-free. So she's a wonderful resource here on Sunday Connections for all of those of you who are connecting in. Uh, we also have a, another question from Sophie. Said hi for face muscle stiffness. What is the best remedy? Thanks, Sophie from Tehran. So, um, Sophie, uh, muscle stiffness, whether it's in the face or somewhere else, is due to a problem with the gallbladder. The gallbladder is not functioning the way it should, and that's what creates the tension in the body. So, I would say to you, Sophie, I think one of the best things you could probably do is a gallbladder uh, cleanse or somehow help your gallbladder heal so that it's functioning at a more optimal level. So focus on your gallbladder and see if you don't get some results from muscle stiffness uh, since that can be very troubling and problematic since you're feeling happy but other people don't see that, that you're happy. It looks like you've got a pretty uh, stiff face which is one of the symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Now, why is the gallbladder problematic? Well, it could be it's got some toxins stuck in there or some bacteria. So I would go to healing at the core level, Sophie, and see if that doesn't help you. And then Cherry says, how to reduce a stop hand tremor? Also temporarily for several hours for a particular activity like ballroom dancing. So um, obviously uh, tremors, uh, are the last uh, symptom usually to go when a person is reversing their symptoms. It's it's one of the most challenging to actually address. Um, I think uh, one of the ideas that I've got for you, Cherry, that I'd like to suggest that you consider is that the self-designated uh, researcher, Aunt Bean, from Tennessee has concocted a fava bean tincture. She grows fava bean plants on her farm in Tennessee. She clips off the tips of the fava bean plants, and she dries them a bit and then puts them into a bottle with some alcohol and shakes them up uh, about three times a day for a month or so, and that's what gives her her little tincture. And then she takes a little eyedropper and puts uh, some drops under her tongue whenever the symptoms flare, and apparently... What Ann Bean tells me is that when she does that, the symptoms all of a sudden are gone. It's really pretty amazing. Now, she makes her own tincture. Uh, you do have to use the tips of the plants to get the maximum dose of the dopamine uh, into your tincture. 
But I think it's actually quite an interesting thing that you can do for yourself is you grow your own plants, you you clip off the tips, you make your own tincture, and then you use that. Uh, and again, what you're suggesting is, well, I, I want to just uh, be tremor-free for doing certain kinds of activities like ballroom dancing. And what Ann Bean tells me, Cherry, is that that's what helps her uh, address her symptoms. Now, it's it is a dopamine uh, supplement, and just like cinnamon or any other dopamine supplement, uh, she has had to take more and more drops to treat her symptoms. So you're not treating the cause when you're treating this. Just remember, this is a, a treatment for a symptom. It's not treating the cause. But Aunt Bean explains that she gets wonderful relief from this. So we do have a Fava Bean website that I maintain through Parkinson's Recovery, and Aunt Bean posts uh, recipes for her fava bean tincture and other kinds of reports on what's going on with the farm in Tennessee periodically. So you'll see a link to the fava bean website from the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com. The actual address of the fava bean website is www.favabeans, F-A-V-A-B-E-A-N-S dot parkinsonsrecovery.com. I get many questions from people. Well, I want to buy the tincture. Where can I buy it? No, 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 no. It's not. She does not make the tincture. She just makes enough for herself. And so it's something that if you're interested, you're going to have to figure out how to do it yourself, which I would say would be a pretty exciting adventure to take. I mean, you know, you get to grow your own plant. You get to nurture it. You get to make your own tincture. It's a pretty exciting thing to do. It's like a hobby. So for those of you who would like to have some temporary relief from symptoms, uh, my suggestion to you would be, well, why not try that? Because it certainly has helped and Bean. I know it's helped other people, too, who have actually used that particular approach. It doesn't have any side effects because it's a natural treatment. So that's the one suggestion I think I would uh, make uh, something that you can actually do. It is difficult to calm down a tremor. Uh, the mindfulness exercises that I've suggested here throughout the program I think can really help. So the more that you can be totally in the present, the less problematic those types of symptoms will be. It's not that they'll be eliminated entirely, but if you're not stressed, the symptoms should be less and less. The other question I've got for you is, have you done ballroom dancing? Because what many people with Parkinson's symptoms tell me is when they do something that they actually love, the symptoms all of a sudden are not problematic at all. Whether it's playing ping pong or kickboxing or it doesn't matter. I mean, I've got a long list of, I actually discuss this in Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. It's amazing. People, when they do something that they really love, all of a sudden, because they are totally in the present and they're in their flow, they don't have any symptoms because there's no stress. So, Jerry, I would just say it may be that you've already done ballroom dancing and the symptoms don't dissolve, but if you haven't tried it, why not just give it a try and see if, in fact, if you do uh, the dancing, it, that they all of a sudden vanish. When I made a trip to Aunt Bean's fava bean farm in Tennessee just before the 2012 Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Cincinnati, I, uh, I saw an amazing uh, demonstration. Uh, Aunt Bean had a friend who had uh, pretty advanced symptoms of Parkinson's. She was in a wheelchair, and uh, they were b basically best buddies. And so Aunt Bean said to me, well, Robert, do you want to see her uh, line dance? And I said, well, I would love to do that. So basically she turned on some music, 
and got Patricia to stand up. And once she got started with line dancing, she was absolutely incredible. She could line dance better than any teenager anywhere in the world. (laughs) She had no problems at all with symptoms. So there's a video of her line dancing on the blog. I thought I was so amazed. I took a little short video so you can actually see a demonstration of what, what she did. And then when she got done, uh, she went back to her wheelchair. So uh, the fact is that the problem did reemerge after she stopped doing what it was that she actually loved. But I thought that was such a, a joyous demonstration of what can happen when you're doing something that you really love. So it could be that uh, if you haven't done the ballroom dancing yet and don't know what might happen, just give it a try and see what the result is. But if it's still problematic, uh, then you might want to try something like the fava bean uh, approach or something that you can actually make yourself. And again, in in the books that I've written, yeah, there are there are many other herbs that you can take that can address the symptoms of a of a, of a tremor. Uh, essential oils might also be a way that you can go. So we've got we've documented a lot of those essential oils that can calm a tremor. So you might find an herbal uh, uh, essential oil combination will be will work perfectly, especially for the temporary two or three hours you'll need for the ball ballroom dancing and for other occasions as well. So there are lots of different approaches, essential oils, herbs, and then again, the fava bean tincture, which uh, again, I think is just such a, an incredibly marvelous idea. Uh, I've also got a question here uh, from, um, doesn't say who, but it's incoming. What do you know about using Botox to control tremor symptoms? I uh, don't know, I haven't done any specific research on that, but I do know that it's a toxin. And so you're adding a toxin to a body that probably already has toxins. So um, I have to say, uh, everyone, I've got my own personal perspective after doing research on this for 10 years, and it may be very different from yours. But my perspective is that in the long run, I think it makes the best sense, instead of treating symptoms is to step back and say, well, let's look at what are the probable causes and begin to address the causes. When you can, we can, when you can address the causes, then the symptoms will resolve. When you treat the symptoms, the symptoms never resolve. They keep coming back and back and back and back. So if you think of it as a financial investment, if you're going to always treat symptoms, you're going to incur a pretty heavy price. But if you're going to begin to treat causes, yeah, you may have to spend some money in the beginning, but you're going to be able to heal whatever it is that's causing the symptoms and not have to pay any more money treating symptoms. So I think from a financial point of view, it's a pretty good investment. Uh, And again, if you're always treating symptoms, you're always putting new toxins into your body. Again, treating symptoms with whatever substance it is is toxic to the body, and so the body is, is challenged with having to process some extra uh, toxic materials. Looks like I also have a uh, question from Anne, and this says, Hi, Robert. Hello, Anne, from Ontario. I have been very focused on heavy metal and liver detox diet. Is 60% to 70% raw food, lots of greens. I feel my gait has improved, but my left hand arm tremor is getting worse. I take only LDN, low-dose naltrexone, which it's going to be a slow-acting kind of a thing. So if there are some microcosms in there, some micro uh, bacteria that are active and creating a problem, then it's going to take the LDN and the immune system of the body uh, some time to be able to address that. Uh, so it sounds like the tremor is getting worse. 
And I've got a little news for you that's encouraging. In the interviews I've done with John Coleman, who is the author of Stop Parking and Start Living and is a naturopath doctor in Australia, uh, I was asking him about the tremors and, uh, you know, what can people do about that? And John's answer was really interesting. He said, first of all, that the tremor is the last symptom to resolve for him and for his patients as well, since after he was able to reverse his symptoms, he's now focused a lot of his naturopath practice on helping people with Parkinson's reverse their own symptoms. So uh, basically what John said was, well, what I'm here to tell you is that as I was beginning to heal, a lot of the other symptoms were resolving, but my tremor got worse. In fact, it was worse for several months before that actually resolved. Uh, it may be that one of the reasons the tremor is beginning to show its face more so than before is that you are also in the process of healing traumas in your life. So what happens is that the heavy metals uh, basically are, are in the body because the body is traumatized. And the heavy metals, believe it or not, really help the body stay alive. Uh, it helps us stay here on the earth because when we're in fear, when we're scared, when we're traumatized, we want to leave. We want to get out of it. We want to get out of our body. We want to leave. Uh, and so the body all of a sudden says, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You're too young to do that. You have many things you need to accomplish in life. So, no, no, you're, you're not exiting. You're not dying. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you do that. So what the body does is when the heavy metals come in, the body actually keeps those heavy metals. And the heavy metals have a pretty low frequency, which is what holds you here on the planet Earth. So as you're, as you're detoxing the heavy metals, all of a sudden, uh, that frequency is not present in the body to be able to address the tremoring. Now, why do you have the tremoring? You have the tremoring because the issue of the fear and the trauma is probably still embedded at the cellular level. So, Anne, I would just ask yourself to do some reflection. Where has the trauma been in your life at an early age, from the time of conception to birth to uh, infant to early childhood to adulthood? Where's the trauma been, and to what extent have you been successful with releasing the trauma? I think you'll find that the more you can work on releasing the trauma, the tremoring will slowly and gradually begin to atrophy. It'll begin to become less and less problematic. Uh, think of the tremor as a way of the body that's basically saying, oh, my God, you know, we're, we're in fear uh, we're anxious. We're afraid. That's what that's what tremoring is. It's 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 a actual demonstration of what the body is experiencing, which is really stark terror. And so, uh, go with it. Let the tremors flare. Let them do what they need to do. And then the way to heal that actually is to say, okay, let me just sink into the tremor, and then ask yourself what's just underneath the tremor. Because what's just underneath the tremor, the physical sensation of the tremor, is a feeling. And the feeling is something connected with the trauma. Once you hit the feeling, you're going to be able to release it. So allow those feelings to emerge. We don't want to have those horrible feelings. No one does. But they're embedded in your body at the cellular level. So go for it. If you want to address the tremor, 
I think the way to do it is to say your body is giving you a signal. Your body is saying, okay, there's still some trauma that's stuck inside here. Could you please let me out? The other way to think about the tremor that's getting worse is your body is releasing the trauma. That's the way your body is doing it. That's what animals do when they basically release trauma. If you look at an animal that gets scared, especially little animals, okay, they get scared because there's a big dog that comes in and there's just a little tiny dog. What the little dog oftentimes will do is they'll freeze. They don't move. They'll totally freeze and hope that the big dog doesn't see them or bother them. Okay, once the big dog gets out of the way and leaves and the threat is no longer there, what does the little dog do? The little dog will shake like crazy for a minute or two minutes. They shake and shake and shake and shake. So they're shaking off the fear and the trauma that they just experienced. So the dog gets over it in a matter of a minute or two. We humans don't do that. Okay, we don't shake it out. We stick it inside ourselves. We bury it. And so we do that at an early age. It gets stuck in there. And so your body may be just working really hard to to, to get that out. Now, don't get me wrong, Ann. There are obviously some physical reasons why this is happening. Uh, I'm not saying that there's not. There obviously is. But if you want to heal that from the inside out, if you want to heal that at the core, I think the way to do it is to go to the source. And the source is trauma. This is true for pretty much everybody with Parkinson's. Once you release the trauma and address the issue of anxiety and fear, then all of a sudden that cause is no longer present, and that's enabling the body to heal the tremor problem in a physical level. So the problem with the tremor may be that those myelon sheaths have all of a sudden uh, gotten so thin that they're short-circuiting in that side of your body. So I'm not saying... That, that that everything is emotional. It could be that it's gone on so long that it's created physical manifestations. And it may be difficult to totally heal that tremor for that reason. But once you get the cause resolved, then the body has an opportunity to get to work to see if it can't heal the structural reason why you're having that actual tremor. So what you describe, Ann, to me is something that uh, makes good sense uh, given that you're obviously making good progress on the detox of heavy metals and and being able to detox your liver, then it sounds like what's happening is that the tremor is what's up for you right now. So get to work on healing that trauma, and I think you, you might find, although it'll be challenging to do so, some absolutely wonderful results. I'm going to now check just to see if we have any other questions that were submitted during the program. I do not see any more questions. I see that our time is already up since it's an hour and a half. So what I want to do is to stop and really thank all of you who have connected in. I see many of you have called in and many of you have basically connected through the computer to listen to our program today. I want to thank you for being a part of what we do here at Parkinson's Recovery. We're dedicated to provide information, support, and resources for persons who are looking for ways to reverse their symptoms. So I'm a researcher and I'm open to considering any options that are going to help people feel just a little bit better and in the long run figure out what's causing the symptoms so that they can address the causes and allow those symptoms to dissolve like an ice cream cone on a hot summer day. Again, as a reminder, I think one of the kinds of things that everybody can do that will have a significant impact on symptoms is mindfulness. That's why I created the Parkinson's Recovery Mindfulness Series. 
it sounds like it's something that wouldn't have a big bang for the punch, but I tell you, I think it does. I think it's the easiest thing you can do that will address these issues of stress and anxiety. To become more mindful in the moment really is a key to healing from the inside out. So check it out. Parkinson's Recovery dot I N F O. I've spent, I guess, the last three months or so on editing and organizing all of these little challenges and exercises. I've done them themselves. I've found them to be helpful to me personally. Others have said the same. So I'm inviting you to at least try one of the little volumes uh, out for a trial run to see if it doesn't help you. Uh, see some instant, pretty quick relief from whatever symptoms you might be experiencing. The fact is that when we're living in the present and we're not stressed, those symptoms will show great improvement. That We know that that connection is there. So once you can address stress, you're going to be able to find great relief from symptoms. So that's a wonderful outcome from a very simple thing to do. And again, you obviously don't have to do the exercises that I've invented or created. Mindfulness is a practice that's adopted by many people, and you can get many, many ideas out on the Internet. All you have to do is do a search and get lots of ideas of how you can become mindful. Again, I want to, without without uh, repeating myself or meaning to repeat myself, I think that the way mindfulness becomes useful is you do it a little bit every week and don't make a big deal of it that's that's how it's been most helpful to me so that's what i've done for myself and i invite you to do the same and that's what's happening on you guessed it the shores of the puget sound where all the women are smart all the men are handsome and all the children are truly loved Know that by virtue of the fact that you've connected into my Parkinson's Recovery Sunday Connections program today, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. <laughs>